Help us, dear God, not to take it for granted. God, help us, Lord, that we show our appreciation and our love. And you're not here just to be here, Lord. You're here to manifest and to minister and to move and to save and to heal. And for that we expect. We come, dear God, expecting you to certainly do a work in every heart and in every life. Speak to our hearts, dear God, your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God forms. Satan deforms. Jesus transforms. Repeat after me. God forms. Satan deforms. Jesus transforms. Wow. I want the Lord to speak to us. If you do not have an outline today, please raise your hand and they will make sure you have one. I'd like for everyone to have an outline. Uh, you remember a whole lot more of what you read than what you hear. And you can take the outline home. I won't be able to cover this whole sermon today. So you can take it home and study it. The introduction goes this way. At creation, God formed mankind in his image and likeness. And through the disobedience, certainly, of Adam and Eve in the garden of sin, entered the world and formed God's image in mankind. Now through Christ's redemption, somebody say hallelujah. Now through Christ's redemption on the cross, God's plan is to reform his image in his children, bringing us into conformity with the image of his son by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. God forms us, sin deforms us, education informs us, prison reforms us, but only Jesus Christ can transform mankind. Man's effort to transform an individual falls short of what it should be and what could be through Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, first of all, as we read the scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I looked at J.B. Phillips' translation of the New Testament, and it reads like this. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice Conscious or, cre or conscious, rather, to him and acceptable to him. Then here you go. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. And I'm afraid and concerned that that's what's happening to a lot of believers today. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice 
that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands and moves towards the goal, moves towards the goal of true maturity. God forms. Notice in your uh, outline, our image likely when God says, let us make man, and he was speaking, that's where the Trinity, of course, was, was present. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our own image. <clears throat> what does it mean, our own image? Look at it. Our image likely refers to such qualities as reason, personality, intellect, and the capacity to relate, to hear, to see, and to, to speak. In other words, the characteristics of God Almighty himself, the spiritual being, free. God wants man to be free, immortal. We will live on. The old body may go back to the dust from where it came, but we all, soul, spirit, will live on. God created man. In other words, when God, in the first chapter of, uh, of Genesis, I like this. He said, let there be light, and what? There was light. He said, let there be water and separated from the firmament and let there be, let the earth bring forth grass. In other words, what he created there, he spoke it into existence. The power of Almighty God, the sovereignty of Almighty God. Let there be, and it happened. The centurion said to Jesus, speak the word only and my child shall be healed. The word of God. But then he wanted to create man in his own image. Did he say, let there be man? No. No. He took his hands and he began to form man. And he made man. And when he had completed, man lay there without breath. He was not alive. But then all of a sudden, the God of heaven said, and he blew into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Stood up. Let me tell you something. The breath and power of God will create life. Jesus with his disciples, after, after the resurrection, they were afraid, and they were all alone in closed doors and locked doors, but Jesus came into that room, and the Bible says that he breathed on them and they became filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when Jesus, when God breathes on you, life, life, life is certainly present. He formed man, he touched him, he formed the container. He breathed into him the content. It reminds me of the day of Pentecost when 120 people had gathered in the upper room and they were praying and seeking the face of God 
and they will believe in God for the promise. For Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and tarry there until the promise of the Father comes. And they prayed daily. Prayed during the night. And they prayed. And they prayed. And all of a sudden, there was a powerful wind that blew and filled every one of them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the power of God. And those weak and frail and timid disciples came powerful ministers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changes your life. It not only gives you life, it changes your life. God in his sovereignty formed, sanctified, and ordained who? Jeremiah. Listen to Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed you in the womb, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Boy, that makes me feel just blessed. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. Before you were born, I ordained and appointed you to be a prophet. Nations to Babylon, to Assyria, to Judah, and to Egypt. I appointed you before you were born. You think God touched us before we were born? You think God formed us? Sure he did. He knew you before you were born. So I'm speaking today and saying that man was not, did not just evolve from some little whatever, but God formed. And I'm here to tell you, mom and dad comes together, but I'm here to tell you that God Almighty works in the birth and the coming forth of each and every one of us, and he has a job for us to do. He has a ministry for us. And we're never satisfied. Man is never satisfied until he fulfills that that God formed him to do. God forms us and then he fills us. So God formed Adam and then he breathed, he filled him. God forms us and certainly then he fills us. What does he fill us with? Well, let's read some scripture. Read some scripture. I believe that God fills us with his blessings and God fills us with his fullness. Can you imagine mankind, God taking man and filling him with his fullness? John chapter 1 verse 16, the amplified translation, for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth. We have all received grace upon grace. I love this. Grace upon grace. Spiritual blessings upon spiritual blessings. Favor upon favor. And gift heaped upon gift. Listen at me, church. This is what God does when he makes us, forms us. And we accept him as our personal Savior. Can I read that again? That just blesses me to no end. Listen. For out of his fullness, superabundance of his grace and truth. Wow. We have all, 
Every one of us, we don't have to be anemic spiritually. We can be full of the grace and the mercy of God. We have all received his grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Somebody say, wow. That's God speaking to us today. Romans chapter 15, verse 29 says it this way. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says, But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. This was Paul's plan, speaking to the church at Rome. Paul so desiring to visit these people. And he wasn't coming empty-handed. I trust that you and I approach the world and approach our neighborhood and approach our neighbors, and I hope we approach them and say, we come to you with blessing and fullness of certainly the grace of God. And Ephesians chapter 319, it says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may, you may, every one of us, each individual, not just the preacher, not just the deacon or, or, or the elder, every one of us. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with part of the fullness of God. Did I read it right? Are you following me? With just a little bit of the fullness of God? All the fullness. Woo! I can't help it. It blesses me so that know that we, mortal man, these, you and I are not only filled with the Holy Ghost, but we're filled with the very fullness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Wow. Whatever God forms, he feels. And make no mistake about it, my friend, he formed you. He made you just like you are. He formed mankind. And then his desire is to give fullness to us. Can you say amen? God forms, Satan deforms. God formed man in his image. Sin deformed God's image in man. I'll say it again. Listen. God formed man in his image. Satan deformed God's image in man. Satan tries to thwart God's plan. You know, as I was studying this message, and I was going through the Old Testament chapters after chapters and books after books. And as I was going through the New Testament, I could not help but be amazed at how often Satan tried to thwart God's plan. God's plan. When the serpent tempted Eve and she was disobedient to God's command and she went to Adam and Adam, Satan was trying to Thwart God's plan, but it didn't work. Every time throughout the Old Testament, Adam, Abraham, Jacob, 
all the men of old, all those in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, every time God or Satan tried to annihilate Israel, God came on the scene and fought for Israel and spared them. Even in the flood, even in the flood, Satan tried to destroy all the human race, but God found grace in the eyes or in, in, in one man, Noah. And he took Noah and his family and put them in the ark and they were saved with all the rain, with all the flood, with all that was going on. The whole family of Noah was saved. And the animals two by two were saved. The water disappeared and Noah comes out and builds an altar. And from that, man began to serve God. You see, Satan could not do that. He could not do that. Even at the birth of Jesus, when Jesus was born, the wise men came to Herod and they said, there is a king that's been born, and we want to visit him. And of course, they went to where Jesus was. But Herod told him, listen, when you find the child, come and tell me, because I want to come and worship him myself. But you know, he was very, very, very much lying to those wise men. And so when the wise men found Jesus and they got ready to leave, the Lord said to them, listen, God said to them because Herod desired to kill Jesus. In fact, he eventually killed all the two-year-old boys and under. I mean, Satan sought to thwart the plan of, of God Almighty. God and an angel spoke to Joseph, Mary's husband. He said, wake up, Joseph. What do you want, Lord? I want you to take the child and his mother, and I want you to get out of here, and I want you to go to Egypt. And there they were safe because God Almighty saved them. God Almighty saved them. I, I, I'd like to if you would allow me to speak one more time about how God thwarted, or how, the, the, yes, the plan of Satan. There was a Persian king by the name of Ahasuerus. I'm sorry, Ahasuerus. And there was a man in the kingdom of Persia that was second to the king. His name was Haman. And with all the Jews that was in that nation, Haman desired to destroy every one of them. In fact, he went to the king and had a plan to destroy. But God rose, raised up someone. It was a woman. It was Esther. And there was another one, Mordecai. You see, Satan 
was going to destroy the lineage of Jesus Christ. For there would be no born Jesus Christ that would die on the cross for mine and your sins. Mordecai and Esther came before the king and told him what was about to happen. And it made him very angry. And he took Haman and he killed him and spared the Jews. How many of you know that God intervenes for us? He intervenes for us. The all-out plan of Satan was to destroy Jesus Christ. Even when Jesus was on the earth healing the sick and raising the dead and preaching the gospel, there were times that he tried to have him thrown over a cliff and killed. <clears throat> but he got out of their midst. Satan, you can't touch him. You can't touch him until God says you can touch him. And then... He was betrayed and he was sent to the cross. And there, my friend, the demons and devils and Satan was rejoicing because they had destroyed the very one that would bring redemption and righteousness and salvation to all of mankind. They thought they had won the victory, but not so, my friend. Don't start dancing yet. Don't start rejoicing yet, you imp, you devil, you. You tried over and over again for thousands of years to destroy what is on that cross, but they put him in the tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave, and he looked over at Gabriel, and he said, Hello, Gabriel. He looked over at Michael, and he said, Hello, Michael. I am he. Hey, uh, oh, I am he that was dead, but I live forevermore. You can't mess with God's plan. And you can't mess with God's plan in your life if you dare to have faith in God and to trust him. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. Did you know you have an intercessor? It's not just Paul. It's not just Enoch or Elijah. It's not just the pastor or elders. You know who is making intercession for you? Jesus Christ is praying. And when the devil comes knocking at your door, and when the devil comes with all of his lies and all of his trickery, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, you, you. That's where he's at. Peter, the Bible says that the thief, and you know who the thief is, the thief, the devil, does not come except the steel. Now, one translation says he only comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. 
So when the devil comes and starts whispering in your ear, know one thing, the only reason he's there, he sure is not to bless you. It's not to help you. The only, only, only reason is like when he went to God about Job was destroy that man. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal your joy. Don't let him take that joy. Stay prayed up. Stay in the house of the Lord. Stay before God. Walk before God in obedience and let that joy rise. Let that glory rise. Precept upon precept. Satan has a plan for your life. And it's to destroy you. But let me tell you, the same way... <clears throat> That he in no ways could thwart and stop God's plan. He can't stop you. Oh, he can tempt you. He can try. But God gives us, a, the Bible says this, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. What promise? All these promises of God. It, it just blesses me to know it. Satan desired to destroy your life. And for many years, he's tried to destroy all that God wants to do in mankind. Hear the, hear the voice of God to you, my friend. Whatever your name is, put your name there. Satan desires to kill you. Deceived you. Now Peter, when he told Peter that, Peter, I forgot my outline for that, that you pulled off for me, Sister Carol. But when he told Peter that, Peter took it a little light. And Peter went through a hard time. He denied Jesus Christ. He even cursed and denied him. But Jesus being whipped, the thorns on his head, abused like no man had ever been abused. Peter was there warming his hands at the fire of the enemy. And he looks up and Jesus, the Bible says, looks at him. And conviction hit that man. And the Bible says he went out and wept. Bitterly, he went out and, went, and repented and became a great disciple, apostle, and minister of the gospel. And when they, went to, when they went to crucify Peter, he said, wait a minute. Don't crucify me like they crucified my Lord. Crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like that. What a man. Peter. Satan desires to sift you like weed. But I prayed for you. Jesus is praying for us today. God formed. Satan deformed. Jesus transforms. That's my study and my sermon for next week. 
because you know our vision statement, Brother Denny, and you helped us work on all this for you many, many, many years ago. Jesus or transforming lives through Christ. And we've seen so many lives that have been transformed through and by the power of God. I want you, if you will, take this home and study it because I really want you to know what God can do in your life. An alcoholic, would you come, Brother Matt? Brother Matt, I've changed the song, if you don't mind. It's the one we sing all the time. Uh, my chains are gone, if you don't mind. If, I'll give you time to get, to get that. An alcoholic. Walking down that aisle. He's such an alcoholic until he has to have a drink of alcohol in the morning. His hands are shaking. Even to get that drink to his mouth. He can't even go through the day. Alcoholic almost all of his life. But he decided I'm going to church. And I'm going to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Oh, he tried so many things. He tried so many ways to get off of that alcohol. To quit drinking. But he couldn't. It had him bound. Satan was sifting him like wheat. Satan was destroying his life. Satan destroyed several marriages in his life. He couldn't shake it. And over and over again, Don, I want to, I want to get it right. Those chains held him so tight. And I think about young people today on drugs. Men and women that is bound with alcohol and all kind of bondage and chains. But one Sunday morning he walked down that aisle, knelt right here in this altar, wept his way through. And Jesus changed his life, Sister Judy. And I'm going to see him one day. I miss him so much. But I'm going to see him one day as my brother. But when God changed him, you've never seen a man change like Junius Westbrook was changed. He changed him completely. Never touched another drink of alcohol, but one of the greatest witnesses for Jesus I've ever seen. No matter where he went, no matter where he worked, he witnessed for Jesus. That's what the transformation is all about. His life was totally transformed. Been to get him out of jail more than one time. The bars didn't transform him. He tried so hard, but man's effort couldn't transform him. But when he knelt in this altar and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, it totally, once and for all, transformed his life. If you're here today, you need that kind of transformation. If something binds you, if something has you in bondage, I pray today that you will allow Jesus Christ to touch your life.
The altar is open. As we sing, feel free to come. If you have a need spiritually, especially if you're lost, Jesus Christ will touch you. Stand and sing with us as they sing. song what a message let's end the service with all of us around the altar if you feel comfortable you're invited I hope you will I hope you'll come we're going to sing that song again but the presence of God is in this place 
don't leave here and be like Jacob. Surely the presence of the Lord was here and I knew it not. Let's say it this way. The presence of the Lord was there and I really, really, really know he was present. Come as we sing it. Step out in the aisle. Gather around the altar. Sing it one more time for the man. That shame, a wretch like me. I once come on, lift your voices. My chains are gone. Father, we thank you this morning because of your bountiful blessings. Lord, I'm so glad that you formed us. And I'm so glad that we can experience your fullness in our lives. I pray for every man, every woman, every young person today that they would experience those spiritual blessings, blessing on top of blessing, favor on top of favor, gift heaped on gift. May we receive that today and enjoy your blessings in our lives, we humbly pray. You're here today and you'd like for us to join with you concerning a special need. Just lift your hands. We have great prayer warriors that will come and join you in prayer. Anyone? You're sick. You have a need in your life. And you want God to touch you today. Would you, would you lift your hand? All right. Hallelujah. My chains are You need prayer, just raise that hand. Indicate we got some folks that are pray. If you're lost today, if you need healing today, if you need deliverance today, if you need just someone to come along beside of you and bless you, lift that hand today. One more time. Change gone.
Now, when you go out this week, you got to go to work and got to be involved in the world. We're all the world. Can you say, man, we're all the world? We have our boat in the water. But there is to be no water in the boat. Remember that this week. You got to be in the world, but ain't going to be no world in me. My co-workers, those around me, my family, I don't want to join in with all the stuff that the world has to offer. But I want to keep myself pure and holy. And I've got a boat in the water, but I'm keeping the water out of the boat. Don't you let your boat spring a leak. Let the water, the devil, the world's water get in your boat, but you keep it dry inside. Amen. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. We bless your name. Lord, what word? Not because I preached it, because, Lord, you've spoken it to our hearts. And we we purpose in our hearts not, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. May our minds be on you. Realizing, Lord, we become what we behold. We become what we behold. If we allow our eyes to see bad things, our ears to hear bad things, evil, Lord, evil comes through the eyesight. Evil comes through our hearing. And Lord, we don't have to let those things help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to focus on Jesus Christ. Help us to read your word. Help us to pray to God Almighty, believing for his promises and having faith in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn around, love a neighbor, hug a neck if you will. Have a good day.